Hey everybody, our board slash OITE podcast companion book is now available for you to follow along and take notes with our podcast review. Just click the link in the description. This episode is sponsored by the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. Have you heard about the Resident Orthopedic Core Knowledge Program? The American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons has partnered with leading experts in the field to bring you ROCK, the online learning platform developed for U.S. residency programs. Free to residents, ROCK empowers you to build a foundation to prepare you for the OITE and ABOS Part 1 exam. And remember, access to the ROCK content is free for residents. Get started at rock.aaos.org. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Nailed It Ortho podcast. My name is Dr. Cole. Myself and Dr. Fizz started this podcast to go over high-yield orthopedic surgery topics, but you are now tuned into our OITE slash board review series, and we have finally made it to the end of Foot and Ankle. Yes, this is our last Foot and Ankle review episode. We hope that you all are continuing to learn just as much as we're learning from talking to each other and reading up on these topics and talking about them. So, if you haven't already, go and check out the companion book. You can find that online at Amazon. Again, if you want to read along with you know our foot and ankle series in our section. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into today's episode. You are now listening to Nailed It, the orthopedic surgery podcast featuring doctors Jay Fitz and Wendell Cole. Um, so what may be seen in patients with perennial tendon instability and some treatment options? Yeah, so if they if they complain of uh, kind of a snapping around their lateral malleolus or you see that on physical exam with resisted eversion, you see that kind of snap of the peroneal tendons, then most commonly it's due to a superior peroneal retinaculum rupture and a superior peroneal retinaculum reconstruction will uh, repair or will resolve their issue. Um, you can't forget though in surgery or on the test to evaluate the peroneal tendons and to uh, deal with them accordingly uh, as you talked about before depending on the amount of tendon injury. Most commonly it's going to be a tendon debridement with a superior peroneal retinacular repair. Um, you might want to do a bony reconstructive work, which is a fibular groove deepening. Um, and basically what you're doing is you're just creating more space in the posterior fibula for those tendons to work so that they don't sublux out laterally. And then lastly, you may also want to con consider a, a tubularization versus a tendon transfer. But for uh, peroneal tendon instability, look for the answer that talks about either a superior retinacular repair or a, a fibular groove deepening. And so we, I, I've talked a lot about a cavovarus foot. So what exactly is a cavovarus foot and what are some of the causes? Yeah, so cavovarus foot is when you kind of have a high medial arch. So we talked about the opposite where you have the loss of the medial longitudinal arch with uh, posterior tibial um, um, tendon insufficiency. But this is a cavovarus foot, and again, it's going to be due to a high medial arch. And this is where you have forefoot equinus and pronation, which pretty much means you have plantar flexion of the first metatarsal. So again, plantar flexion of the force, plantar flexion. I'm sorry, of the first metatarsal, and you have forefoot equinus and pronation. 
and some causes of a cavovarus foot um, unilaterally. So just one foot. Um, this can be due to like things like poliomyelitis or spinal cord tethering. So something going on, um, you know, in the spine or in, that, in the nervous system. And then in bilateral or patients that have bilateral cavovarus feet or these kind of progressive cavovarus feet, this can be due to Charcot-Marie tooth. This can also be due to a hereditary sensory motor neuropathies. And what these are inherited disorders of the peripheral and central nervous system. And I've seen a lot of resources that like talk about Charcot-Marie-Tooth disease, not a Charcot-Joint, but Charcot-Marie-Tooth disease and a cavovarus foot kind of interchangeably. So what is Charcot-Marie-Tooth disease? So it's an inherited motor and sensory neuropathy, uh, primarily in the peripheral nervous system. Um, it is uh, autosomal dominant. So for those taking the OIT and uh, ABOS, uh, look for an autosomal dominant sort of condition. It affects a peripheral myelin, um, which is uh, the PMP uh, gene on chromosome 17. So it's a PMP uh, 22 uh, protein duplication. And what it causes is intrinsic muscular weakness of the uh, uh, I believe tibialis anterior in uh, uh, conjunction with the posterior tibial tendon. And so the posterior tibial tendon overpowers the uh, tibialis anterior and causes a kind of a contraction of the uh, midfoot and the forefoot causing a cavovarus foot deformity. And there's also uh, overpowering of the peroneal tendons as well. As well. And um, uh, I kind of, I guess I just went over there, our next question. So what's the pathophysiology behind it? And it's weak intrinsic muscles with a high arch and the tib ant is affected um, and you get first ray plantar flexion uh, rather than dorsiflexion uh, based on the uh, tib ant weakness and the uh, posterior tibial tendon taking over. Um, you get a hind foot varus and then you uh, uh, fail to uh, balance out the uh, forefoot and then you get forefoot var varus as well. So it's kind of the entire foot is in varus. And so when you see somebody like this, um, what sort of test are you doing in the office to kind of uh, uh, assess their flexibility of deformity and, and make a clinical decision. Yeah. So one of the things, um, that they, they test on a lot, or they will tell you if this is positive or negative is the Coleman block test. And what this is, is it's used to see if the hind foot is flexible. And if a plantar flexed first ray is the reason of the deformity. Um, so how this is done is a block is placed under the lateral side of the foot in the hind foot. And so what you look for is correction of the hind foot. And you look to see if it corrects to neutral or not. Because, again, we know this is going to be uh, a disease or a condition where you have hind foot varus, which is, which is uh, there because it balances a forefoot varus, which was, like you said, seeing when you because you mentioned this a little bit earlier, 
this is seen when you have those weak intrinsic muscles and you have a contracture that leads to the high arch. Then you have, kind of have that tip end, leads to first rate plantar flexion and the hind foot, and then you have hind foot varus to balance the forefoot varus. So when you place a block underneath the lateral side of the foot and the hind foot, if the hind foot corrects to neutral, the caval varus is going to be due to a plantar flexed ray. If it does not correct to neutral and the hind foot is still in varus, it may be due to both a plantar flexed ray as well as a varus hind foot. So that is what the Coleman block test is. And so you need to know that because they will say, oh, it's positive or it's negative, or it'll say like the hind foot corrects to neutral, which lets you know that the Varus is due to a plantar flexed first ray, which you need to affix a first ray, which you need to address the first ray versus if it doesn't correct, then you might need to address the hind foot and the first ray, for example. Uh, now, what are some non-op treatment options for the cable varus foot? Uh, so um, non-op treatments, obviously uh, physical therapy, um, you want to strengthen the weak muscles in cases where there are uh, genetic reasons for not doing that. It may not be as successful, such as uh, for Charcot-Marie-Tooth and the other kind of peripheral uh, neuropathic sort of symptoms or uh, conditions. And then another thing you can do is uh, an AFO, which is an ankle foot orthosis or a lateral heel wedge arthrotic. If they have a flexible cable varus foot, you put a wedge under their lateral heel, you kick that hind foot into valgus and you uh, correct their overall alignment. And that may be all that is needed for a flexible cable varus foot. However, um, just like you uh, talked about before, their, their hind foot may not always correct or if their hind foot corrects, but it still is symptomatic. What are some of the operative treatments you can uh, provide these patients? Yeah, some operative things you can do so one are just soft tissue procedures. So one thing you can do is a perineus longus to brevis transfer. And what this does, it increases the eversion strength and it removes the deforming force because we talked a little bit about earlier that your tibans is affected. And then you have your perineus longus that pulls and then you have first rate plantar flexion. Um, so you can also, so you can have a perineus longus to a perineus brevis transfer. You can also have a do a plantar fascia release, which allows the metatarsals to dorsiflex a little bit. You can do a um, a PT transfer to the dorsum of the foot, so you you transfer the uh, the tendon to the dor to the dorsal aspect of the foot, and this helps decrease the varus. Then you can also do a girdle stone Taylor procedure, which all this is is a flexor tendon to extensor tendon transfer. And that helps with kind of the claw toes or some of those toe deformities, which we talked about, I think in our first one or two foot and ankle um, episodes. This episode is sponsored by the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. If you're an orthopedic resident, it's time to start building the foundation to be prepared for the OITE and ABOS part one exam. The American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons has partnered with leaders in the field to bring you the Resident Orthopedic Core Knowledge Program. Rock is an all-in-one online learning platform covering 11 subspecialties. You can access the content for free at rock.aaos.org. 
This platform delivers a comprehensive, structured, standardized curriculum and even includes self-assessment quizzes and performance analytics. And remember, residents never pay to access rock content. Get started today at rock.aaos.org. Now, if if the uh, Cableverse foot is four foot driven, again, so if they have if they have a Coleman block test, and the hind foot corrects to neutral, and the Cableverus is due to a plantar flexed race, so we know this is a four foot driven condition. They can be treated with a first metatarsal dorsiflexion osteotomy, which makes sense because it's due to plantar flexion. So you dorsiflex a little bit more. If this is hind foot driven or you do the Coleman block test and the hind foot does not correct to neutral, so you know that this may be due to a both a plantar flexed, uh, a hyper plantar flexed ray as well as a barest hind foot. You can do a lateral displacing calcaneal osteotomy or a lateral closing wedge osteotomy um, of the calcaneus. And then um, these patients um, it, that have cavalarous feet can sometimes have like you mentioned a little bit earlier, ankle instability. So if they do have some ankle instability, um, you can also, you know, do a lateral ankle ligament reconstruction. And in patients that have severe deformity, sometimes the answers for them might be a triple arthrodesis, which you mentioned a little bit earlier, is a uh, is not a fusion of the tibial tailor joint, but of the talonavicular, um, the calcaneal tailor, and then the calcaneocuboid joint. That is a triple arthrodesis. And a couple more questions and we finish up here. Um, what should you be concerned about in a female patient with heel pain that is worth that is worse, <laughs> excuse me, uh, when walking in the morning with tenderness along the plantar medial tuberosity of the calcaneus? And how are you going to treat this? So this is classic plantar fasciitis. Um, once you see a few of these in clinic or you do a few questions on this, you're really not going to get tricked. Uh, about this uh, ever again because they <laughs> unfortunately they typically uh, present all the same way for these patients so they're oh, they're all <laughs> females they all have heel pain they all wake up they can't take the first few steps to get into the restroom but after they get out of the shower and get dressed in the morning then they can typically go about the rest of their day. So what you're going to first do is you're going to start with non-operative uh, stretching of the plantar fascia and the Achilles. You're going to try some uh, plantar fascia uh, specific heel inserts. If that doesn't work, then you can uh, escalate care to injections. Um, giving too many can lead to uh, kind of ligamentous and tendon uh, insufficiency and rupture. So um, if they're getting a lot of injections, then you may want to consider more surgical options rather than continuing to do more and more and more injections for them. Well, uh, if you have a patient that's like, you know, I've tried uh, non-operative stretching, I've tried uh, the uh, nighttime uh, uh, stretching kind of braces, I've tried literally everything you have given me and I still have symptoms. Then you can move on to an open versus endoscopic uh, plantar fascia release. Uh, 
with the consideration of a possible distal tarsal tunnel decompression, if they do have a compression neuropathy present, um, that is not going to be tested, but the decision on surgery versus not may be tested and the decision on nighttime orthotics versus not will be tested too. I believe the nighttime stretching orthoses is the only non-operative thing that has been proven to be beneficial. Um, Don't quote me on that, but I believe that that is the only non-operative treatment thing that has uh, shown superiority to non to uh, doing nothing. So um, if they offer uh, on a test uh, a patient and they say nighttime bracing, then choose that because that is most likely going to be the uh, the right answer. Um, so that's that's a quick uh, kind of gist about plantar fasciitis. Again, it might get you one or two points on the OIT, but also those one or two points may be uh, important to bump you up a a few uh, percentile points. So um, uh, I talked about a distal tarsal tunnel release or a decompression. What sort of nerve are you looking to decompress? Um, and, and, and what's the name of it? Yeah. So just like you said, you talked about it when we talked about our tarsal tunnel decompressions, uh, we made sure that we want to be five centimeters proximal. Um, and, and then distally, we talked about, uh, uh, releasing all the way to the first branch of the lateral plantar nerve, which is also known as Baxter's nerve. So sometimes this can be compressed between the deep fascia of the abductor hallucis and the quadratus plantae uh, muscles. So definitely want to make sure you release that if you're doing a plantar fascia release, um, that if it's entrapped. And then our last question for foot and ankle um, is what should you be worried about in a female patient who has recently started training for a marathon and she has heel pain and tenderness with medial and lateral heel compression? This is a calcaneus stress fracture. And um, I just actually in my tumor clinic had a patient that that was a possible concern. Granted, she did have a distal tibia lesion, uh, which is not important um, moving forward, but um, there was concern for heel pain. And so one of my physical exam maneuvers was medial and lateral heel compression in a young female patient who wants to go work out or has been working out and is now developed heel pain. And um, the reason for the medial lateral compression of the calcaneus is you're actually just pressing directly on the calcaneus itself and you're trying to discern if this is a stress fracture within the calcaneus or is it something going on in the hind foot Um, because axial load can be painful with calcaneus navicular talus and distal tibia injuries but medial and lateral compression directly on the calcaneus can uh, kind of determine whether this is calcaneus specific so um, if you are concerned about it then an M- MRI can be useful in diagnosing uh, this in a fracture line uh, or an area of increased density on x-ray can be uh, useful in the diagnosis. So uh, again, they're going to be more of a, a kind of a female athlete triad with stress fractures. So you're going to also want to take a look at uh, the patella and the femoral neck as well in these patients. Oh, yeah. And I think... I think that wraps it up for foot and ankle, man. I think we, we talked about a lot of stuff with foot and ankle. We talked about all the way from like 
clotos, uh, um, foot and ankle trauma, which we didn't do on the trauma section, um, to like all these different tendonitis and, and different um, de foot deformities and nerve compressions and more aroma. So I think we covered a good amount with foot and ankle. Um, and I think next we think we may do some, may do some joints next, you know, it'll be fun. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, that'll be fun. So I, I guess everybody that's listening, we hope that you uh, learned a lot from, uh, you know, from our review. Uh, we hope that you are not just using this as your sole source, but you're also <laughs> looking at some other review <laughs> sources. <laughs> I hope you're also looking at some other things. I, I just hope this helps to, you know, as an adjunct to, uh, to your learning. And if it is, uh, you know, we are happy. If there's anything that we said that's incorrect, feel free to shoot us an email and let us know, and we will correct that or address it or talk about it. And um, I think that's I think that's it for this episode. Anything else you want to add, Doctor Wilwan? No. I, uh, again, yeah, yeah. Share this with anybody who uh, you think will find it useful. And uh, again, uh, just like you said, we're we're trying to provide uh, an accurate and uh, useful learning tool. So if you if you find anything that is uh, uh, that differs from current evidence or that you think um, we we didn't kind of bring up or you, or you thought was important, then then let us know and we'll be happy to uh, uh, evaluate it ourselves and bring it up and, and correct any any sort of things that uh, need to be corrected. Awesome. Well, without further ado, we'll uh, see everybody for the next episode.